and we are back with another episode of Podcast Royal. I'm your host, Jessica. And I am your host, Rachel. And I'm happy to report that this week we are reunited back in Birmingham together, making plans to meet up. We are. We have dinner plans tomorrow night, which will actually be the day the episode drops. It is my birthday week, so I am back in Birmingham seeing people, seeing my mom, and can't believe that on Monday I'm going to be another year older. So exciting. I know we always try to take time to celebrate birthdays together. Yes, birthdays are very important. Well, Rachel, the people have spoken, so I've got an update to share on the Princess of Wales' new hairstyle. Mm, okay. You guys remember we talked about this last week, and Rachel and I shared our opinions. Well, one of our listeners asked us to poll our Instagram followers to see who loves the fringe and who misses the longer layers, and I have the results. So the last time I checked the poll before it closed out, it said 59% of followers love the new haircut. 24% said they didn't love the fringe and then the rest said they were still undecided. So hmm. there you have it. Okay. Well, that's not as high of a percentage that loved it as I thought it would be, but that's still pretty good. 59%. Most people would love to have approval ratings that high. So <laughs> I say it's a win. Definitely. All right. So to kick things off, um, I do want to do a quick reminder to listeners, please take a quick second to leave us a five-star rating and review an Apple podcast. If do you it like for my it. birthday listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Make that Rachel's birthday present if you like what you hear on the show. So before we jump into our segments, I've also got a message from a listener to share. Naomi, who follows us on Instagram, sent us a DM saying, thank you for going back to a weekly format. I love all of your features, the deep dive, the lifestyle pieces. You are very good at stories that are factually informative without being gossipy and critical and without being rudely snarky. Mm. I hope you have another 100 episodes. Thank you so much, Naomi. I know I, I responded back to her, but that really means a lot. Yes. Thank you, Naomi. Those, those words just go so far. Sometimes my love language is words of affirmation, y'all. So that's not, I didn't choose that. That's just how <laughs> I am. And so those kind words mean everything. So thank you, Naomi. And thank you to everyone who emails us, DMs us, puts the review on Apple Podcasts. It means so much. And we have a lot to talk about, so much so that we are actually going to split this episode into two parts. So half of it's going to come out today, Wednesday. The other half will come out on Friday, but we'll talk more about that in a minute. But we have a stacked Royal rundown. The Royals are definitely back to work in full force. And there is really no way we couldn't lead today's Royal rundown with anything but the Invictus Games. The games ran in Dusseldorf, Germany from September 9th to September 16th. I know we spoke briefly about them last episode, but we recorded the last episode on September 12th. So they were very much, uh, Megan had just landed. And so obviously a lot has happened since she landed. The games are over now. So we are back with all of it. And, you know, the games sort of felt like a bit of a royal tour to me back when Harry and Megan did their tour of Australia or South Africa or what have you. And, and, and how I honestly, I wish it was for Harry and Megan. I wish, I still wish they were working Royals. And after so long of not seeing them out front like this, and not only not out front, but just not seeing them at all for months at a time, it was honestly really fun to cover their work for a week straight. And I'm chomping at the bit 
as I do to cover the fashion. But first, I do want to make mention that this year's games saw a total of 550. That's so great. Sick, wounded, and injured former and current military personnel from across 22 countries compete. And I wonder if you're Harry, if you just take a moment to let it soak all in while you're at the games and look around and take in your surroundings and say, wow, look what I've created here. Harry and the entire Invictus team should be so proud. So when we left off our recording on Tuesday, the 12th, as I said, Megan was just arriving in Dusseldorf to join Harry. He had been there since the prior Friday. Megan did her own hair and makeup throughout the games, and she only wore vintage or rewear pieces, which I think is really cool. And she arrived on Tuesday, as she put it in her speech at the, the night she arrived, a, quote unquote, a little late to the party because she was at home with Archie and Lily in California. But when she arrived, let me tell you, she arrived. So since she got there, the couple did everything from meet with NATO representatives. Megan read books to children. There were obviously so many athletic competitions. We also had Harry's 39th birthday happen on Friday the 15th. And the night before his birthday, on Thursday, Harry and Megan took about a dozen or so members of their team out to a brew house. They ate traditional German food, family style. They drank some beer. Harry was presented with a birthday cake on Thursday night, and the party took it back to the hotel to enjoy just before midnight. Mm-hmm. And then on Friday, which was Harry's actual birthday, he was serenaded and by the entire crowd at the games. And he was given yet another cake, a second cake at a volleyball game. When they started serenading him, he seemed a little bit shy, but appreciative of all the love. And we've already wished Harry a happy birthday on the show. We'll do it again. Happy birthday. Last year of his 30s, which you and I are approaching that. We're not quite there yet. I'm going to be 30. Let's not age ourselves, but I'm going to be 37 on Monday. And uh, the 2023 games closed with a really powerful closing ceremony on Saturday evening. The next games, unfortunately, won't be until 2025. They'll be in Whistler in Vancouver, Canada. And this is actually a return to Canada for the games. They were in Toronto in 2017, of course. That's where Harry and Meghan made their big debut as a couple. So I don't want to at all make light of the games. I can't plug enough. If you want to learn more about the games, go watch Heart of Invictus on Netflix. I think by now, listeners, you can tell how supportive I am of the work of Invictus, but I, it, it wouldn't be podcast royal, right? If we didn't discuss Megan's fashion while right. we're here. So again, I'm not trying to be reductive of the games, but Megan's outfits this week, really, I mean, it was just great. They, they blew me away. It was so fun. And I want to talk about them. Sometimes she'd have three looks in a day. It was just a blast to cover. So I'm going to run down briefly each one. And at the end of it all, I'd love for you to give me your top three favorites. And by the way, in the fashion realm now, Megan broke J. Crew's website on Wednesday. She broke the website. I mean, J. Crew said it was planned maintenance, but I don't think that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and people were trying to order a sweater blazer that she wore to competition that day. By the way, uh, breaking news today, first story I wrote of the day is that the sweater blazer, which sold out, is not fully back, but it is available for pre-order. And depending on what size you get, it will either be in your mailbox in December or January. So get on that before it sells out again. Okay. So here are the looks in order. So, and we have photos here, Jessica, 
Our, um, our research this week is 19 pages long, which is very long for us. And that's because it's mostly photos. So, okay, here are the looks. Okay, we've got Tuesday night, her first appearance in that Banana Republic factory dress. And again, you can look at the photos as we go, but I'm going to ask for your top three at the end of it all. Okay, then on Wednesday, I wish that there was some kind of, I mean, I guess we have Instagram, but um, listeners, if you want to, I mean, I'm sure you saw these looks as they were happening, but if you want to look it up, I did a piece for Marie Claire about a retrospective of her fashion. It's all in one place. There's many places you can look and find all these looks. Okay, Wednesday, I think we had two or three looks this day. We had that J. Crew sweater blazer that I mentioned before, and she was wearing stout shorts and Chanel slingbacks at the competition and there's a picture of her and Harry walking in Wednesday again she was in J crew again she's in a J crew black top black frame jeans and then moving on to Thursday she and Harry met with NATO representatives Megan is wearing a I should know how to pronounce this Le agents I'm L apostrophe a g e n c e blouse and Gabriella Hirsch trousers, um, very monochrome, continuing with this muted color palette theme. I have a thought about that. Please don't let me forget to say that. And then again, Thursday back at competition, she's in a Ralph Lauren cable knit vest and white frame jeans. And then for Harry's birthday dinner on Thursday night, she kept the frame jeans, the white frame jeans, but she swapped tops. This is a Doan blouse. And it's in the colorway, I think of Monaco something, Monaco Stripe, I think it was called. Friday, and listeners again, just Google these looks, but Friday she's in a Celine blazer and a Zara romper. And then again on Friday, she's in a Carolina Herrera dress. And third look from Friday at a Team Canada reception in, I don't know how to say this brand, either Totome, T-O-T-O-M-E, in uh, their turtleneck midi dress. I keep wanting to make comments, but I'm not going to reveal my top three until <laughs> it's my turn. Okay, finally, Saturday for the medal ceremonies and reading to a group of children. She's in a Kayana top and pants. And finally, the closing ceremony Saturday, which was just the blow away, amazing mountaintop look. Um, this is, uh, who is this? Wait, I didn't write the designer and it's okay. This is coming from my memory. Cult, cult, G-A-I-A. I forgot to write that in the notes, but yes. Okay. So I want to say something really quick because I'm going to forget to say this. So the, the fashion story, I guess, of the week was muted color palette, muted color palette, muted color palette, and then boom, out comes the color at the end. And, um, Amelia Noyes, who is amazing. She's an artist. She does sketches of the royal family. Um, she's incredible. And she, when you look at all of the looks like side by side by side, not even just in one post, but just like boom, 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 boom. It's such a muted color palette. And then that pop of color, that teal color at the end, is it, just, it actually makes it more stunning because of the muted color palette all the way throughout the week. Okay. So what are your top three looks from this week? Okay, so let's go back up here at the top. I think, I do think the black Banana Republic dress was very flattering on her. So it's kind of a, the, um, 
Yes, the one it's it's like a midi length with the pleated skirt and the button up top um, part of the dress. So that's that definitely made my top three. Mm-hmm. I think I've got two that are tied maybe for like my middle favorites. And that's going to be the uh, J. Crew sweater blazer shorts mm-hmm. combo. And also, though, that all black sleeveless sweater and jeans and heels. I like mm-hmm. both of those. Um, and then my top favorite, of course, is that closing ceremony dress, mm-hmm. the strapless mm-hmm. teal. Um, it had I, I couldn't see it too up close, but it looks like a, almost like a leather type material. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like cutouts in there, too. It's a yeah. gorgeous dress. Yeah. So I think I think I'm going to have those as the ones that really stood out to me the most. What about you? Okay. So these are in no particular order, but, um, and, and I don't think actually that she had any misses this week, which is great. So oh, I disagree. I, there were some, I didn't care for. Okay. Well, what, tell me what you didn't care for. <laughs> well, I hope they're not your favorite. <laughs> no, that's why I want you to tell me before I say it. Cause I want you to tell me how, I mean, not that you wouldn't, but tell me, tell me what were misses. I did not have any misses. Actually. I do not like the white skinny jeans. Um, no, they are too I, short. I that grew on me that that look grew I really to like me, they're the, they're too tight um being white they're too short they're almost like capri length um I I didn't think they were flattering mm-hmm. um I also did not like the color blocked dress the color um, blocked dress you mean the Carolina Herrera the Carolina Herrera um mm-hmm. the blue it looks almost like a denim material yeah. I I did not find that to be a standout option at all. Um, oh, I, you know, I also did actually, I'm going to, I'm going to change my top. So take out the shorts and the black pants and put mm-hmm. my other favorite, that high necked black dress. I, I know that's that on my top three or actually yes. I have like a 3.5, but yes, that's in my, I love that look. And the photo we're looking at, you can't see the whole dress, but it is, first of all, I love the, uh, the neck and shoulders on that dress. This is the Totome, again, I'm probably butchering this black dress from the Team Canada reception Friday night. Um, that's in my top three for sure. Yeah. I love, and the, I the way say, the cut on it is gorgeous. I would say the top three for me also are the teal strapless dress, the high neck black dress, and the Banana Republic button up black dress. Um, and then the other one that I thought was really, I, I did not care for was that all tan with the jacket and the pants. Um, mm. What what was what brand was that? Was, was uh, it the, the pants were uh, not Carolina Herrera, Gabriella Hurst, and then the top was I can't even say this L L agents L agents L apostrophe A G E N C E. I thought you had on here it was Kiana top and pants. Oh, the that's the white look. Okay, that's um, the, that's the one. It was on Saturday. It's like the the long um the long coat thing and then like the cropped white pants. Yes. I don't care for that one. Really? I see that was like my honorable mention. I let, I actually really love that look. Oh yeah. That, that was one of my least favorites. Okay. So let's hear yours. <laughs> okay. Well, you actually didn't pick any of, well, you did pick one of my top three, but it was, it wasn't like all three of your or however many were my top three. Okay. So as I said, I, th- Megan, I love Megan's style. Like Megan's style is, is, is very minimalist and it reflects my own style. So I think that's why I really don't think she had any misses. Cause I would wear 
all of these looks. But okay, so again, these are really in no particular order. They're just honestly in chronological order, if anything. So I loved the J. Crew black uh, shell with the black frame jeans and the black heels. Love that. Um, it's just sleek and just chic and it's just great. So the Legends, I, I should have uh, looked up how to pronounce this before I got on the pod, but the Gabriella Hearst Treasures, this look has been really polarizing, but it is making my top three. This is like my 0.5. This is like my 3.5. This will be my honorable mention. I love it when Megan goes monochrome, which she used to do all the time. Mm-hmm. People uh, were really up in arms because the Gabriella Hearst trousers look wrinkly. They mm-hmm. do but that's just the material. That's not Megan's fault. And I just, it, this, this look was very, cause a lot of the looks that she was wearing were more casual, right? Like they were J crew, they were some banana Republic, they were shorts, but this look reminded me of something that Megan would have worn on a Royal engagement or something like that. And I, I love it when she goes monochrome, I would wear that entire outfit. No questions. And in the picture we're looking at, um, you, she doesn't have them on, but she also had on some Mew Mew sunglasses that just, I thought elevated the look to a whole other level. Okay. Um, skipping down to the Totome <laughs> dress, the black dress obsessed with that would buy that in five seconds. And <laughs> finally, of course, the closing ceremony dress, the cult J or however you say it dress, um, just absolutely gorgeous. And I, like I said, I think it was maybe even more impactful because it had been such a muted color palette all week. And then when the color came out, it was like, boom, but I really love all of the, I would honestly wear every single one of these looks. So um, that is that. And so I, uh, the games happen again, we won't have this for a while until 2025. So I'm wondering what you thought of the games overall. Yeah. I mean, I think collectively everyone seems to feel like this was a successful event. I've seen a lot of good chatter about it online. Um, especially people being super happy for Harry and the success that it's had. So, um, I, I think, I think it was great. And I, I love, you know, how they're bringing awareness to this and creating an opportunity for veterans to be involved in, um, in these activities. So we'll definitely be waiting for what 2025 games. Yeah. And I don't I know that. if I, I don't know if I know what month in 2025, but it will hopefully for everyone's sake, not a cold month in, in Canada, <laughs> that would be miserable. But um, yeah, I don't think there's anybody that can say anything bad about the Invictus games. I don't, I, I know Harry and Megan have a ton of detractors and I just don't think that one, one thing can be said about these games that is not positive. I just don't. And um, I will also say that um it was helped by the fact that the games came so soon after heart of Invictus premiered on -hmm. Netflix. And so it was very much on everybody's mind that came out on August 30th. And then the game started September 9th. So I just think that it was great and it'll be a while. It honestly, not only will it be a while before we talk about the Invictus games again, but knowing Harry and Megan, it will probably be a while before we talk about them again. So um, before we move on, I want to also mention that while in Dusseldorf, Megan surprised those at Treby Cafe, which is a community cafe that supports women and girls who are homeless and supports them in living a self-reliant life. So I love to see that. So let's jump over to 
Kate from Kate at a men's prison to the very next day, William on a construction site. So William visited a, a construction site in West London to discuss suicide prevention in the industry last Wednesday. He talked to workers about the challenges that they face. He also heard from the mental health charity Mates in Mind about the work they do to improve mental well-being in the sector. So actually, I did not know this. And see, that's why I like following the royal family because you learn so many things about so many things, right? Because they're doing engagements on so many different, like what were yeah. we talking about the other uh, the other week, like microbial something? You, know, <laughs> like, you never know what you're going to get on any given week with the Royals, but workers in construction are at some of the highest risk of suicide in the country with rates in the industry over three times higher than the national average, which is really disturbing. So the visit coincided actually with World Suicide Prevention Day. That was September 10th. This visit would have been September 13th. So suicide is the largest killer of men under 35. That is a statistic, unfortunately, that I know all too well in my own family. As you all know that I lost my cousin to suicide. He was 33 and we lost him in the summer of 2022. So good for William for shedding light on an issue that needs to be talked about more openly. Absolutely. Um, I totally agree. And and he's been busy this this past week. Um, listeners, I'm sure you saw he was just in New York City. I believe he arrived yesterday and he's there mm-hmm. right now as we record. Um, more on that in a moment, though. I want to jump to the Princess of Real- Wales real quick. She was out Monday and Tuesday. So Monday, she made her debut as Commander-in-Chief of the Fleet Air Arm, and she visited the Royal Naval Air Station in Somerset. King Charles appointed this title on her over the summer, which is actually a role she took over from Prince Andrew, and he was in that role until 2022. So during her visit, she took part in training on a helicopter flight simulator. She tried out some survival equipment. She toured the air traffic control tower, and she took part in a training exercise with some technicians on flotation equipment, helmets, clothing. I think we all had a really good laugh watching her inflate a life vest. <laughs> <laughs> she was really cute. I have to say her her face, her facial expressions were great. Uh, yeah, I've seen that video shared several times on yeah. online. <laughs> yeah. Um, so on Tuesday, she headed to East London to visit Streets of Growth, which is a charity that works to re-engage 15 to 25-year-olds who find themselves socially isolated, bullied, or tapped into a cycle of exploitation, violence, and criminality. Streets of Growth was actually inspired by a U.S. charity. Roca, which Catherine visited while she and William were in Boston for Earthshot Prize Awards last December. So, you know, again, more examples of this couple supporting mental health initiatives, which is mm-hmm. really cool. Love it. So, okay. Speaking of Earthshot and, um, and Prince William working again and being back in the U.S., he arrived on American soil this week in the Big Apple. Of course, the Big Apple is New York City. I think most people know that. Maybe some people who aren't Americans. I don't know. Um, Maybe. So, okay. So he's there for Earthshot Prize Innovation Summit. And this is the event where they reveal who the finalists are for Earthshot Prize. Now, the Princess of Wales, we know, did not join him on this whirlwind trip. She was busy on those other two engagements we just talked about. And he'll only be in town for two days. I do not envy the jet lag. Mm. He's going to go later this week, Rachel. Yeah, he's going to be hurting this week. 
So, okay, while we're on the subject, though, there was a little bit of chatter also going on this week that Kate might not be joining him in Singapore for the big Earthshot Prize awards ceremony in November. You'll remember she did join him in Boston last year and the year before that in London. And I do want to mention that I have only seen these reports in various media outlets. There hasn't been any official announcement of their plans from the palace. So we'll just have to kind of wait and see. But I have to know, Rachel, what do you predict? Do you think we'll see her in Singapore? Well, I really can't imagine her not being there because the Earthshot Prize is so incredibly important to her husband. Um, I actually wrote this story yesterday for Marie Claire that they, it is being reported. I think the Telegraph reported initially that she there she is not expected to attend. Um, this isn't the reason why, but the couple, William and Kate, did go to Singapore back in 2012 as a part of the Queen, the late Queen's uh, Diamond Jubilee mm -hmm. tour. Um, but that doesn't mean that she can't go back. I mean, obviously, she, you know, she's been to plenty of countries plenty of times. But the reason being given is, of course, the kids' school schedules. William and Kate are really fastidious about having one parent on hand for the kids. But, I mean, I just really can't imagine her not going to Earthshot. I've heard, I've, I've mostly been hearing this week that she's not going to be there. A couple of outlets, like I think page six says she said she was, but nothing from the palace. Although I do think that if she were going, we probably would have heard about it by now from the palace mm. saying that both the prince and the princess would be there and we've heard nothing. So I'm going to take their silence as being that she might not go. And it's November 7th, which is less than two months away. And I, again, I just can't imagine her not being there, but the Earthshot prize runs until 2030. So she's got plenty more years to join him and maybe it's just not going to happen this year. Well, and I agree with you. And it's, it's weird because I, I, you know, we've seen her at these other events and this is, you know, kind of their big, their big thing that they do every year. So on one hand, I would expect to see her and really hope to see her, but all signs kind of point to we might not. Mm -hmm. um, I totally understand though the kids' schedule, and I think it makes perfect sense that she wouldn't join him in New York City this week. Um, yeah, I, I get that. I totally get that's too fast. That's a two-day trip. But the but Earthshot right. last year was only three days, so I guess it's mm -hmm. not that much longer. Yeah, I mean, I do hope we'll get a surprise. Um, we'll get a surprise and she'll join him, but I don't know. We'll we'll see. We shall see. Well, we will have the final word on William's New York City visit next week. If there's anything left to add from what we're what we've said today and what we're about to say today, it was a quick trip. Like Jessica said, just two days. He flew commercial into Newark yesterday, Monday. Um, he was in the city as of yesterday, the 18th. He's been in the city today, the 19th, to lobby, meet fellow environmentalists and philanthropists and engage with business leaders. So today, Tuesday, was the Earthshot Prize Innovation Summit, where the five finalists for the Earthshot Prize in November were announced. And in a statement shared by Kensington Palace yesterday, uh, the day that he arrived in the U.S., he said, it's so good to be back in the United States. No one does optimism and ingenuity like the American people. So it's only right we unveil this year's Earthshot finalists in New York City. So yesterday, Monday, and I know I keep saying yesterday, Yesterday, the episode comes out Wednesday. So on Monday, he met with a project that is helping revitalize waterways around New York City. He also met with United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres during the UN General Assembly in New York. And then this morning, Tuesday morning, William shared, I love this, that he took part in a very relatable New York City activity. He went for a run in Central Park at 7 a.m. Of course, he had his 
security officers in tow, but he went, honestly, he went largely undetected, which can you imagine doing your, well, I, I don't do morning runs. I don't do runs period, <laughs> but can you imagine being on your morning run and here, here comes Prince William and like his security officers? Well, here's what I'm wondering. Do his security officers have to keep up with him and run too? Yeah. I mean, do you, so I don't know if you remember this, but president George W. Bush used to run and you'd see like his, his team had to keep pace with him. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't hardly protect someone if you're like, you know, a mile behind them, you know what I mean? So, so yeah. a job requirement is if you're person that you're protecting likes to run, you better like to run too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and who knows how fast William runs, but you know, they, they have to, I'm sure they have to keep pace. So, um, so that's a cool way to start a Tuesday. I mean, just again, like, do you ever wish that, do you remember that this is a total non sequitur, but do you remember the show early edition with Kyle Chandler when he would get the next day's newspaper on his doorstep and then he'd have to go like save people from, you know, different calamities or whatever. Do you ever wish that like you could like get like be yesterday at this time and know that Prince William was going to be in Central Park at 7 a.m. and you just show up there and just sit on the bench and just wait for him to run by. But anyway, that's not how the world works. But um, today at the Earthshot Prize Innovation Summit, it was at the Plaza Hotel. The Earthshot, again, as I said, the Earthshot Prize finalists were revealed. We will learn who wins on November 7th at the award ceremony in Singapore. Some other highlights from today, William, I, I don't know if you saw this, but William sat under an Andy Warhol portrait of his grandmother, Queen Elizabeth. And today, actually, the 19th is the first anniversary of her funeral, which wow. just goes to show again how much time passed between her death and the funeral. I mean, those mm -hmm. were a long 11 days. But um, by the way, as to why William and the Earthshot Prize chose Singapore as the third destination of the award ceremony, William called the country a gateway to Southeast Asia. He noted that there is a lot of thought that goes into the choice for the next host city. I have no doubt about that. And by the way, as I said earlier, the Earthshot Prize is set to run until 2030. We have a lot more cities to visit before all is said and done. And who knows, they might extend it when it gets to 2030. We'll see if all of the environmental problems in the world are solved in seven years, then maybe we'll stop. But I cannot foresee that happening. And he also had a hilarious, I don't know if you saw this, a hilarious introduction today from former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg. He, Bloomberg, brought up a recent Gallup poll that ranked William as Americans' most favored public figure. And Bloomberg said, the prince has clearly won over Americans of all stripes. These days, as we know, that is no small feat. In fact, the poll also showed the prince is viewed positively by 60% of Democrats and 60% of Republicans. America has not seen that kind of bipartisan consensus <laughs> since 1770. <laughs> but this time we're all drinking to the king's health i thought that was hilarious so um today also william visited an fdny firehouse he did a surprise walkabout too so the, again as you put it correctly it's a, been a whirlwind two days and by the way of course this is not william's first time in new york city he and kate were in the city back in 2014 where among other things they met jay-z and beyonce at a brooklyn nets game casual they also met lebron james at that same game they visited the national 9-11 memorial and they went to a gala dinner at the metropolitan museum of art so 
William is about ready to head home just as the king and queen depart for France on September 20th, which is the day that this episode comes out. And we will cover this, of course, in next week's episode. Well, let's do a little coverage on the York sisters really quickly. So both of the York sisters hit the red carpet last Thursday for Vogue World London. This was actually Eugenie's first appearance since giving birth on May 30th. So we haven't seen her since the new baby arrived. Um, And this event kicked off London Fashion Week. We saw Eugenie stepping out in a draped satin teal Fendi gown. I love that color so much. Yeah, yeah. I want to get your thoughts on the fashion here too. And then of course, Beatrice, who had Edo by her side, she wore a black and yellow floral cape dress by Richard Quinn paired with black gloves. Um, So this was really fun, something different to see. I actually shared a photo on our Instagram stories of both sisters uh, in the back of the car together. It looks like they Mm -hmm. were either going or coming from the event and, uh, you know, they were smiling for the camera. They did a little selfie photo. Mm -hmm. But what did you think of the fashion? Okay. I love the color on Eugenie. Um, I love the bottom of the dress. (laughs) I'm not really sure. (laughs) I mean, I I get what's trying to happen on top, but it's a little bit... um, I don't know. It just seems disjointed. Like just it, but the color's great. I love satin, probably my favorite material on a formal dress. Her shoes are, she looks beautiful. I mean, she looks stunningly beautiful. Um, keep in mind that she just had a child. What, like a couple months ago, she looks fantastic. Beatrice is just in her element. I do not honestly particularly like this dress, but Beatrice looks actually Beatrice in that photo looks so much like one of my friends. I, Alicia, I don't know if you're listening. I don't think you listen to the show, but that looks exactly (laughs) like my friend of like 25 years, Alicia back in Kansas. Um, but she, Beatrice looks beautiful. I actually love the red lip on her. Not really a fan of this dress so much. I'm also like, I feel like we're not getting the full picture of this dress based on how she's standing, but man, Edda looks really good, but, um, in his white, in his white jacket. But I mean, I, I, I think they look beautiful all, all told they look great and it's great to see them. They don't do a whole ton of events together anymore. So it's good to see them together. And I wonder where Jack is by the way. Yeah. Well, you remember we didn't see him, um, when she arrived to Balmoral for summer holiday. So I kind of assumed he may have been working then. I don't know. Maybe he yeah, was Yeah. Cause he his time in Portugal, you know, maybe for this event, he was on dad duty. I, I'm not really sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, my thoughts are similar to yours. Love the color of princess Eugenie's dress. That bright green is very pretty. The shape of the dress. I don't think is flattering. It's sort of giving toga like yeah it's, it's just dis- uh, it's, it's like a satin sheet sort of like just I don't know it just doesn't <laughs> okay have... now I can't unsee that <laughs> <laughs> it's You're just right. I don't know I feel like for a red carpet event I I would have liked to have seen maybe a little bit a little bit more going on with that dress um and then princess Beatrice I love the cut of this dress and the yeah, shape like the and cut. the cape effect. I will say though, I don't love the black and yellow colors. I wish it was a different mm-hmm. color. So I think yeah. I like the the overall shape and style of Princess Beatrice's and I like the color of Princess Eugenie's. So, you know, a little bit. <laughs> if we could morph them into one dress. And oh my gosh, yes. If Princess Beatrice's dress was that green color. Actually, yeah. If if Princess Beatrice's dress was that green color and it was satin, I would buy that dress 
in every every color they have but especially that green color but but then of course Eugenie would be in the most unfortunate situation of a black and yellow sheet so no no yeah <laughs> yeah we've got to we've got a portmanteau and bring those two dresses together and it'll be perfect <laughs> Well, speaking of their kids, so before we wrap up chatting about the sisters, Princess Beatrice and Edo's daughter, Sienna, celebrated her second birthday on Monday the 18th. Interesting fact about Sienna that I can't remember if we've shared on the pod before. So she's not eligible for a British royal title because she's not a child or grandchild of King Charles, but she is eligible for an Italian title from her father, Edo. So Edo is a count, and when he married Beatrice, she became a countess, and this means that their children will inherit titles. Wolfie will be a count, and Sienna will be a noble Donna. What a pretty title for a noble lady. I know. I know we've I know we've talked about that on the show because I think I said nobile donna, which I Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't know if that's right, but I definitely remember saying that. So and I think that's really cool. Um and by the way, speaking of Sienna, I love what obviously proud dad Edo wrote on Instagram. And by the way, Edo is just he speaks my love language of words <laughs> of affirmation. He's very good with the words, but he wrote of Sienna, he said, You bring us so much love and joy every day alongside this photo of her from behind Sienna from behind of all things wearing a sombrero so I'm not really sure what the context is there but um I I know you had to have seen that photo and her squishable little leg she's so cute yes I did and I actually shared that one on Instagram too it was so cute and Rachel as you're speaking I'm torn on who you are most in love with more is it Edo or is it Peter Phillips well, Peter's not married anymore, so I'll, I'll say Peter because, you know, <laughs> Edo is very much married, so I feel kind of bad about that. I mean, physically, it's going to have to be Edo. He's gorgeous. and um, But, I mean, I'll, I, Peter is no consolation prize. I, I love me some Peter Phillips, too, although he very much has a girlfriend. You know, it's just nice to have some eye candy in this royal world that we inhabit and and they are certainly that I think you know I think Jack's handsome as well but anyway let's not let's not go down the rabbit hole of uh, <laughs> royal husbands I think are handsome uh, that's dangerous territory but so last week I think it was last week we spoke about Kate Kate's wedding dress designer Sarah Burton of Alexander McQueen stepping down after 26 years at the fashion house but this week we have news on Megan's wedding dress designer so Claire Waite Keller who was with Givenchy when Megan married Harry in 2018 she left she left the house by the way in 2020 she is now launching a new fashion line it's quite affordable actually so on Friday last Friday she launched Uniqlo C pieces start from just $30 so pretty affordable it's an ongoing collaboration with the Japanese fashion retailer Uniqlo it features 34 pieces I've looked at it good stuff and it is actually her first foray back into fashion since she left Givenchy in 2020 so have you ever shopped at Uniqlo I actually haven't I, so actually, um, I've been, whenever I've been in New York city, I've, I've been in their store and several years ago I went and I got uh, actually a rain jacket from there and I still have it. It was, it was very a different style. It was cute and fun and I still wear it on occasion. And it, it's been a while since I, since I got that. Um, and then this last time I was in the city, I also went back in, I, I didn't get anything this last time I was kind of running in really quickly, but, um, pretty big store, Lot, lots to choose mm-hmm. from it. Yeah. More, much more affordable prices than what, uh, we might, we might normally see from a 
a big name designer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So go check out her stuff. Like I said, 34 piece collection. I haven't been on there since the weekend. So some of it might've sold out. I don't know, but, and let's wrap up the Royal rundown with one more story about fashion. And we, I know we spoke last week about three of princess Diana's gowns selling for 1.62 million at auction. We can't leave this story off. Uh, now we have news that just one piece which is Diana's iconic black sheep sweater sold at auction for a record $1.1 million. <laughs> that sheep sweater sold for $1.1 million. So the the story of the sheep sweater is actually interesting. I wrote a story about it over the summer. There's actually two versions of it. There's the 1983 version, which Diana wore to polo. She snagged it on something. I've heard she snagged it on her engagement ring, which would make sense because it's so massive. And so Mm -hmm. Diana wrote to Warm and Wonderful, which is the uh, brand that made the sweater and asked for a replacement. So the sweater that sold for 1.1 million is the replacement. This one was worn by Diana in 1989. So six years later, sold at Sotheby's in New York last Thursday. And it actually broke a record as the highest price paid at auction for an item worn by Diana. Again, this is just one sweater. <laughs> and wow. uh, the piece was offered between 50000 to 80000 And it sold for $1.143 million. So, and um, the la- I've, I've heard it that the last 15 minutes of the sale was just crazy and so much pandemonium. We don't know who bought the sweater. We might, and, and um, I, I think I was reading somewhere an interview with Warm and Wonderful. They have two designers and they said that we, unless it's a museum or something, we might never know who bought it unless they come forward. So, um, God, I just can't believe that a sweat, a sweater sold for $1.1 million, but that's the Diana effect for you. Wow. Can you imagine having uh, an extra spare 1.43 million to go spend on an auction item like that? <laughs> uh, yeah. For a sweater. <laughs> and again, like I just, yeah, I mean, can you imagine though, being the designers thinking that you're going to get 50 to $80,000 and you get a million. <laughs> so turnabout's nice. fair play on that. Well, let's go ahead and jump into our listener Q&A. So this week, we've got a listener question about the Prince and Princess of Wales hiring a CEO. Podcast Royal Ladies, can you explain the new position of CEO at Kensington Palace? What does this mean and where can I sign up? <laughs> I don't know okay. if you want this job, listener. It's going to be pretty tough. <laughs> that, that's that's actually what I was thinking as well. So let's talk about the new CEO position, Rachel. In case anyone missed it, reports came out last week that the Prince and Princess of Wales are hiring a new CEO at Kensington Palace to serve as the strategic interface to Buckingham Palace and ensure the work William and Catherine are doing complement the objectives of the king. So this is a new role. It will be the most senior role within their office, and it comes amid efforts of the couple to transition their office out from under King Charles' office and run more independently, if I fully understand everything that I've read about it. Does Mm -hmm. that seem like what you've read as well, Rachel? Yes. So it's going to be that this person will only report to William and Kate. That's it. They won't have any private secretaries in between them. Okay. So let's answer a few more questions here. What type of person are they looking for and what will this person do? Well, first of all, they will be leading over, I think, 60 other 
employees and they'll be working 37 and a half hours a week. So a full-time job. Uh, they're looking for someone with emotional intelligence and a low ego. <laughs> I laughed when I read the low ego part, by the way. Yeah, me too. Very specific there. Mm -hmm. um, like you said, they'll report directly to William and Catherine and they'll work very closely with leaders of the couple's various organi organizations like Earthshot Prize, for example. So they'll work, their work will be based at Kensington Palace. And the big picture responsibility of this role is really just to lead the couple's office and make sure all of their work and initiatives are completed, that they're achieving the strategic goals of the couple in support of the monarch. So as of now, a salary for this position has not been announced, but it sounds like a big job and admittedly pretty stressful. And I was thinking what you said, Rachel, I don't know if I'd be quick to sign up for that either. I think I might be pretty mm -hmm. nervous in that role, mm -hmm. but I have to ask you the big question. Do you think the salary will be higher than what we've traditionally seen for positions at the palace? Because normally we feel like <laughs> they, they lowball these. Yeah, I, I was going to say, God, I hope so, because they they <laughs> the salaries are not what you would expect for working in the palace. Um, I, I do. And I think that it will be higher pay than the private secretaries. I think this this is a big deal and, and not just because it's a CEO title. It's it's not just a new job being created. It's truly shaking up the entire working core of the firm. So it's really going to push Charles and Camilla to modernize as well and revolutionize as well and kind of get away from the archaic model of the private secretaries, the courtiers. We've had Valentine Lowe on the show talking about courtiers. And so I think that this is huge. I mean, like this is truly William and Kate saying we're going to do it our own way. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it'll be really interesting to see what they do with this role when they bring on this person. Um, so hopefully that cleared up any listener questions about that new role. I know it's been kind of popping up in headlines this week. And that's all I've got for our listener Q&A. Well, that was really good. We, I can't wait to see how that develops. And I would never want that job. That job would be far too stressful for me. I mean, I would, it, it would just be too much. You'd have to deal with a lot of competing interests and a lot of people in the firm that those 60 employees may not sound like a ton, but that would be a tough job. So no, thanks. I'll pass. But listeners, this is where we're going to cut off and we'll have part two of this week. This week was such a big week. We will have part two. We'll have the Royal deep dive and Royals around the world on Friday. So please make sure to stay tuned for that. And we will be back on your feed in two days. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye.